that's ready to roll. Church in the wild, y'all. Got your Bible. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Real quick, while you're turning, um, there's one thing I wanted to let you know about that's coming up, a little bit unrelated to this series. Um, We are trying our best as a church to be the best church we can be. And so leadership, staff, everything um, from our teams, the whole thing, we want to continue to grow so that we can be the most effective church we can be when it comes to the vision God's given us in, in seeing our region reborn. And so here's part of what we're doing. Uh, we've got some good church friends, and, and they do these things, uh, they do these surveys uh, for churches. They help, help churches conduct surveys in their churches to actually see how the church is doing from the perspective of all the people that show up at the church. And so... Here's what's going to happen this week, just tomorrow, I think. Tomorrow, man, if you're on the text list, we're going to send out a text, and there's going to be a link there, and you have the opportunity to answer. It's maybe like up to 10 questions about just everything related to the gathering, how we're doing, what you think of this, what's been your experience, what do you understand about this, are you, are you understanding how to plug in, all these, all these things, just your whole experience. And so it's completely anonymous. Even our church friends that conduct this thing won't know that you were the one that actually responded. We won't know who sent what. But we are asking, if you call this place home or if you're brand new even and you like fill it out like, the, like here's my number, I want to know, know what's going on, like we would just ask, would you take some time this week and answer those questions? And you can be like, be nice. But I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, but just be completely honest. Because I want you to hear me. We want to get better. You hear me? Like, we have Sunday services because Jesus tells the church to gather and worship and and all that. We want to do that to the best of our ability. We want to honor him. We also have Sunday services because Jesus tells us to gather, and it's a great time for people that need to know Jesus to show up. And so we want to do the best we can. And And so we really believe that your feedback will help us understand, man, here's some of our strengths, and here's some places that we need to grow. Does that sound good? All right, so survey's coming out. If you're, if you're like, man, I don't get those texts, but I want to I give my feedback, then just grab a connection card and just write your number on there, and we'll add you to the list, and you'll get a text, and you can respond. Cool. Thank you in advance. Like, I'm proud of our church for doing this. Isn't that just a good church? That just, <laughs> that just sounded like pride. You're like, we got to work on pride. Okay, but anyways, all right, Matthew 24, here we go. We are beginning this new series called Church in the Wild. Because it's getting wild out there, y'all. Um, but I think if we can be real at the same time, like it's been wild all along. It's getting more and more wild, though. Okay, and so we need to be equipped together as the church to not just survive, but to actually thrive in the wild. Here's the way I often say it. You cannot lone ranger this thing. Okay, you cannot lone ranger life in general and plan to make it, but you definitely cannot plan to follow Jesus all by yourself and think you're actually going to make it. Okay, now, I discovered something this past week, um, that there's a good chance that some of the young people have no clue who the Lone Ranger is. (laughs) All right, so, all right, there was this 1950s black and white western TV show called The Lone Ranger, and when I was a kid, they would play reruns of The Lone Ranger, followed by reruns of Knight Rider, followed by reruns of the A-Team. Come on. And so think about the way that worked. I mean, because, you know, Knight Rider, I mean, David Hasselhoff, he had Kit, he had the car, 
A-team, come on, B.A. Baracus had that van, y'all. Okay, but, and so this is why they all fit together. Who did the Lone Ranger have? We'll, we'll talk about Tonto. But he had silver, y'all. Hi-oh, silver, away. Right? Man, I loved, I loved all three of those shows. I was all over it, okay? But, okay, listen, the, the Lone Ranger was exactly that. He was a Lone Ranger. He was like, kind of like a, a cowboy superhero that would wear a disguise and go around stopping bad guys. Okay, but if you do know about the show, man, then you know that, yeah, he was not truly Lone, was he? Come on, the Lone Ranger, even he, he had his buddy Tonto. In fact, if you go back and watch this show now, because it's on YouTube, and like months ago I started showing my kids the Lone Ranger. <sighs> but so we went back and watched. If you go back and watch the first episode, you will see that if it wasn't for Tonto, there would be no Lone Ranger. Tonto saved his life in the very first episode, which allowed him to actually live to become the Lone Ranger. And then the two of them traveled throughout the wild, wild west, stopping all the bad guys. And it was Tonto who was truly the expert in wilderness survival. So get this, the Lone Ranger can't make it on his own, y'all. And neither can you and I. Okay, we need each other. You need a tribe surrounding you and supporting you if you're going to thrive in this wild world. All right, so let me show you something that, something wild that Jesus said that's going to give some context for what we mean by church in the wild. Um, we, we're going to need to survive in the wild, especially with, listen to me, just how volatile our word, world keeps getting more and more by the day. Amen? So watch this. If you've got your Bibles open to Matthew 24, I'm going to read I'm going to start in Matthew 24, verse 28. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, Just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Okay. Well, first off, if you're from around here, how many of you have ever seen the turkey vultures that just fly all around here? Okay, so if you've seen those circling above, then you know that's tip, that is typically a sign that there's a dead animal somewhere down here on the ground, right? So Jesus is saying in the same way that that's a sign, that there's some other things that are signs for us to understand that the end is near. All right, well, what are these other signs? Okay, again, if you're in Matthew 24, let's just back up a little bit. We're going to back up to Matthew 24, verse 6, and we'll see these things. And now, look, I do realize that with what we're about to read, um, there are some different interpretations about how all of this ties into the end. Okay, I, I understand that, all right? However, here's what I want us to do. I just want us to see if any of these signs that Jesus gives us are starting to, becoming, starting to become more and more familiar. You with me? Okay, so Matthew 24, going to start in verse 6. He says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. That's nothing new, though, is it? Right? So he says, so see to it that you're not alarmed. Okay, such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various 
places, again, we hear about these things on a regular basis, and it's been that way for a long time, right? Okay. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. In other words, that when Jesus returns, the world is going to be reborn. Then you, okay, now, now who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples here. He's talking to the church. He's talking to you and me. Then you, then in those days, you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Yay, it's so fun to be a part of the church. It is. You will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Okay, watch. At that time, you know, towards the end, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. I would just encourage you sometimes with that idea of false prophets, we tend to think about some preacher who's in a pulpit preaching a message that's not biblical, and that is a false prophet. Okay, but listen to me. You've also got to understand that um, there, a prophet is any kind of person that has a loud speaking platform for religious things. And I mean, there were prophets of Baal or satanic prophets in the Bible. Okay, and I would say even if the world today is advocating atheism and or you name it, I mean, people are pursuing things with religious vigor, things that are anti-God. And there are people with loud speaking platforms everywhere deceiving people and encouraging people to go down those paths. False prophets. You with me? But watch this. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But, good news, the one who stands firm to the end, those who know how to be the church in the wild, the one who stands firm to the end, they will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Okay, so is it just me, or are we starting to see some of these things just with increasing frequency and intensity? Is that happening? And look, I could be wrong, okay, but I personally think that we're getting close. I think we're getting close to the return of Jesus, okay? I, I really, I, I, think, I think it's going to be soon, all right? Now, I know there could be some variance in that word soon, but I, I think we're getting close. I, I think we're going to see him return pretty soon. And in fact, many well-known um, biblical scholars and pastors, I mean, well-known pastors are beginning to use language like this. I've been hearing this more and more, that they're saying that um, we are on the very edge of the end of what you would call the church age, and the church age is the last age before the return of Jesus. Okay, and so it's pretty interesting. Like it peaks up your ears when, when you start hearing lots of even well-known people begin to speak this way, okay? Well, guess what though? The church age began roughly 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross and then poured out his spirit on his followers in Acts chapter 2. That was the beginning. That birthed the church, okay? But listen, family, life was volatile, it was dangerous, and it was wild for those very first followers of Jesus who pioneered those very first churches. 
Okay, and so just like we read right here, according to what we read, man, it's going to be wild leading up to the time when Jesus returns too. Okay, so listen to me. We need each other if we're going to thrive in Jesus to the very end. You with me today? All right, so I believe we are seeing some of these signs, um, but let's just do this. Let's say we aren't. Let's say I'm just being dramatic, and maybe I'm thinking too much about this stuff or whatever, okay? Let's say it's still a long ways off, and, and, man, we're nowhere close to Jesus returning. Okay, you listen to me. We still need the church to thrive and survive in this wild world. Look, still, nonetheless, look at the world we are living in. You and I are, we are constantly, I mean, temptation is knocking on our door, every door of every angle of our lives 24-7. Sin is constantly trying to tempt you and me so that it can, so we'll say yes and it can devour and destroy us. I mean, you cannot even open up Facebook or read the news without being manipulated into becoming divisive or bitter. You can't turn the TV on without there being something that's either tempting or, or just completely the opposite of what God would want us to see. I mean, with, we walk around, I don't have my phone with me, but we walk around with, and grace, listen, grace, but we walk around with access to pornography all day long, 24-7, I mean, just right at the tips of our fingers. Some of these apps now, I mean, it's never been easier to set up casual sexual encounters with total strangers. Then you add in the manipulation and the bitterness and the division over COVID and the fear of the other side or what this side might do to the other. And people are becoming more and more angry and isolated and depressed. You listen, we need each other in this wild world. Okay, family, even if the end isn't near, no one can argue with the fact that wickedness is growing on this earth and the love of many is growing cold. Okay, it's not just that there is a falling away from the faith, it's that there is a deliberate turning away from faith in Jesus. It's getting wild. Hey, by the way, um, if you've if you've struggled or you are struggling with any of the kinds of things that I just mentioned, welcome home. Um, Jesus isn't turning away from you. Praise God. Man, we're so glad you're here. Listen, um, I want you to know, we don't expect a single person to show up here at the gathering already knowing how to follow Jesus. When I showed up at church at the age of 24 and gave my life to Jesus, I'll just be completely honest, um, at that time, there was still plenty of, and, and my past was full of, what we might all call wild living. Okay, I, I needed the church. Okay, and so get this though, the only way I survived and the only way I began to thrive was through the people in the church that God began to connect me with and God began to use them. Jesus began to work through them in my life to draw me closer to him. It's the only way I began to thrive. In fact, think about this. The only way I even got to church in the first place where I got saved was because my buddy invited me to church and then gave me a ride and had me sit next to him. It took the church. And then through relationships with my new church 
family, I began to grow closer to Jesus where, where Jesus began to just work in my life in such a gracious way. Began to take away sin. Began to take away my shame. Began to internal or heal internal wounds and emotional scars that I had. Began to get me on this, this journey of ever-increasing freedom where by the grace of God I've been able to leave more and more sin in the dust, more of my wild ways behind me, and live more and more like Jesus. And let me tell you, when, when you start on that journey, oh man, that's when life gets good. That's when you start having the time of your life. And friends, I'll just say it, living more and more like Jesus in close relationship with people who are living more and more like Jesus is when and it's how, it's what it takes for you and me to not just survive, but thrive in this wild world. You can't make it on your own. We need each other. All right, so family, I still need God to work in my life through his church. Um, If it were not for some wonderful church people that love me, that know me, I mean, some of you guys that hold me accountable, tell you what, I'd probably crash and burn and go right back to my wild ways. I need the church in my life. So, I mean, just look at me. You and I need each other. You need close relationships with other people who are growing in Jesus And other people need a close relationship with you as you keep growing in Jesus. We're not going to make it on our own. Family, the church is you and me. And throughout this series, we're going to see how good Jesus is to us because he's given us each other. Because here's what he does. He works through your life to help all of us thrive. And he works through our lives to help you thrive. So I'll just tell you right now, the whole point of this series is this right here. God wants you relationally connected and committed to your church family. I'm serious. God wants you to have really, really, really good friends in church, like best friends, so much so that you'd actually start to say, these friends, they're my family. And so here's the steps we want everyone in the church to take so that all of us are relationally connected and committed to one another. First off, we want you to, go to, we want you to go to connect. If you've not yet been to Connect, we want you to go to Connect. And then I'm going to talk about these things in just a moment. But after Connect, we want you to go through Freedom Gatherings. And then after you've been through Freedom Gatherings, man, we want to plug you into a neighborhood gathering. We want you to commit to Freedom Gatherings and commit to being a part of a neighborhood gathering. Okay, and listen, I guarantee if you will take those steps... And if you'll commit, you will find yourself surrounded by a tribe within the bigger tribe. 
And I guarantee you will find yourself thriving in Jesus more and more. Man, I'm feeling good today. You guys feel good? Man, this is a message of hope. Because I, I know this. There's, man, there's some of us in here, and there's all of us. We all need a message of hope today. Okay, but there, there, there's some of us in here, and, and, man, we have these questions like, man, why, why do I keep going back and doing this thing? Why am I stuck in this thing? Or, or why isn't I can't, why didn't this ever just work out? I feel like I'm going in circles. This right here, what we're about to talk about, this is the recipe for just stopping going in circles and start thriving in Jesus. You with me? I feel good. Come on, all right? So briefly, let me explain what neighborhood gatherings are. And, and also, well, I'm sorry, freedom gatherings and neighborhood gatherings. I'm going to explain both of those, what they are and what they do. Um, but let's talk about freedom gatherings first, okay? Freedom gatherings are going to launch again here at the beginning of October, so just in like two weeks, okay? And, and now that we're able to do these again, all right, listen, it is the first step we want everyone to take coming out of Connect. If you've already been through Connect and haven't done freedom gatherings yet, man, then we want you to commit to go through freedom gatherings here in October, all right? But, but what is it? What are freedom gatherings? Well, um, this is the way one of my favorite pastors, Chris Hodges, says it. He says, freedom gatherings are the opportunity for all of us to settle our yesterdays so that we're free to step into everything that God has for us today. Come on, because you listen to me. Every one of us, me included, even Pastor Greg, you think that guy's never sinned? Mm -mm. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor Greg. <laughs> Every one of us, listen, we've all been through stuff. We've all, we've all had other people hurt us. We've all sinned. We've all hurt other people. And on and on and on. But if we never truly allow Jesus to heal us from those things, then we will carry internal and emotional wounds. We will believe lies. We will continue to live in unhealthy habits or, or with unhealthy thoughts and, and thought patterns. We will, we will continue with negative self-talk and on and on and on. Our spiritual growth will be stunted. Okay? We'll be emotionally stuck as opposed to free to become everything that Jesus has created us to be. Okay? But what do freedom gatherings have to do with getting some best friends in church? Okay, well, here's how it works, all right? Um, Here's how God actually works out freedom in all of our lives. He does it through people, through his people, okay? And so in freedom gatherings, you will find yourself connected to a group of people, just relationally, and then here's what's going to happen. You'll all start hearing from leaders about how God worked in their lives to begin to set them free. And I guarantee everybody that you're in a group with, you'll all be sitting together and everybody will be thinking this to themselves. They'll be like, oh, man. Well, if God can do it in their lives, why can't he do it in mine? He can, and he will. And so what happens then is when you as a group begin to grow in freedom in Jesus together, your relationships go like this. And you will find yourself surrounded by a group of people you're now friends with who you can continue to grow in Jesus with together. 
All right, but it doesn't stop there, okay? But listen, we want everyone, everyone to go through freedom gatherings. I'll just tell you, I have been through freedom gatherings twice. It's for every single person. You see, the biggest misconception is that freedom gatherings are, are things, those are things for like people that just have wild past or crazy addictions. No, it's for everyone. I mean, my wife, Rachel, who is the most innocent person I know on the planet, God, in part, gave me her to humble me. We were out at dinner the other night, and I made a joke that I thought was hilarious, and my boys thought it was hilarious, and I looked across the table, and Rachel did not think it was hilarious. She was like, she's like, mm-mm, you got some growing up to do. Okay. She went through freedom gatherings, and she even found more freedom. It's for everyone, okay? But the other misconception is that that we make everybody in freedom gatherings spill all their guts and their worst secrets in front of everybody. Okay, that's not true. We would never put you in some kind of forceful situation like that. You hear me? Okay, so listen, the freedom gatherings are not celebrate recovery, which that's great, okay? And they're not a 12-step program, that's, that's great, okay? Listen, freedom, some of those things sometimes can come with, they can come with kind of a stigma, okay? And so... There's none of that with freedom gatherings. Instead, we all do freedom gatherings because Jesus said he came to set the captives free, and that's all of us. We all do freedom gatherings because we've all believed lies at some point, and Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It's for all of us. And besides, okay, I personally think it's kind of better than some of those other things, um, because, listen, if we can just get to the root of the things in our lives that are holding us back, and we can discover the truth about those things with Jesus, then we can actually get free from those things that are holding us back and not have to deal with them anymore. Like those things just get left in the dust in our past. And so freedom gatherings, man, it's a loving and gracious, fun, friendly, relational environment that makes room for all of us to get more and more free. So we are launching Freedom Gatherings here at the beginning of October, just a couple weeks away. Um, many of you have already received communication about Freedom Gatherings. The groups last for eight weeks, so you start in October, by, by about the time Thanksgiving happens, like you're almost done, like you're right there. And then we're going to celebrate Christmas, we're going to party hardy, be the most free Christmas you've ever had in your life. And then, and then after that, we'll take steps to get you plugged into neighbor gathering. It's going to be a good fall. Man, so here's my encouragement to you. Commit to show up for freedom gatherings. Man, if you're getting that communication or if you haven't gone through Connect or if you're going through Connect, then you're like, man, this is my next step. Commit to show up for freedom gatherings resolve, make a decision now that you're going to stick with even when other, when other things come up that would interfere with that. Amen? If you haven't been through Connect yet, man, go to Connect. It's going to begin again in October, and then we'll get you plugged into Freedom Gatherings when they start right at the beginning of the new year again. Oh, it's going to be so good. All right. Um, but what about these other things that we call neighborhood gatherings, okay? Well, simply put, neighborhood gatherings are like our small groups here at the gathering. 
However, and I know I'm biased, um, but I have been a part of a lot of different small groups at some of the different churches God has had us at uh, in our journey of following him. And look, I'm just going to tell you, hands down, neighborhood gathering is the best format of a small group I've ever experienced in my life. It's, it's been unbelievable. Okay, so after you finish Freedom Gatherings, we invite you to take the step of committing to be in a neighborhood gathering. Um, they're led by lots of different couples or individuals just here in the church. They happen in homes or neighborhoods all over the place, all over town. We actually have one in Heston. Come on. And listen, we want to. We, we would love to expand, keep expanding around the region into other towns as more and more people from other towns continue to show up and call this place home. Okay? But so um, they, they, they happen twice a month. So every other week, the first and the third weeks is how we're going to do it. And there's multiple nights during the week where they're happening. So you can choose a night that works best for you. They usually last about an hour and a half. But here's what happens. Okay, child care is provided. And then about 10 or 15 adults gather together. They eat dinner together. Then a leader will share a Bible story with the group. Then the group will talk about the Bible story. And then usually a person or several persons will pray for the whole group. Simply put, we, we say it like this. We call it eat, story, pray. And it's powerful. Okay, listen. Here's what happens through all of that, okay? For those who commit, relationships go deep in neighborhood gathering. For those who commit, man, people start becoming family in neighborhood gatherings. Just think about this, okay? Uh, first off, anytime you start eating meals on a regular basis with a group of people, how many of you know, you're going to start being friends, like, there is just something. I mean, God designed food in such a way, I'm serious, that, that relationships go deeper, quicker when you eat food together. I mean, think about it. If you, if you were to drop 10 random dudes into a room, okay, it'd be one thing for them just to be in the room, but if you started feeding them pizza or barbecue or Chipotle or Kiko's Tacos, bless God, come on, those dudes would be ready to go to war together in no time. Relationships go deeper, quicker when food is involved. But then, oh, in neighborhood gathering, when you start sharing a spiritual meal as well, talking about the Word of God, man, relationships go deep around the Word of God. That's when people truly start becoming family. Not only do they get equipped to be disciple makers more and more, or to live like Jesus more and more, but they become family in the process. They really become the church in this wild world. Which means, uh, for neighbor gatherings, for the people, listen, for the people that commit. Are you noticing a theme here? For the people that commit, neighborhood gatherings don't end up being just a twice-a-month church meeting. They end up becoming family that you start doing life with on a regular basis. And I can prove it. So, listen, we have story after story here at the gathering of people 
of all ages, families from all backgrounds who started, who committed to be in a neighborhood gathering together, who kept just showing up together. And man, I mean, the relationships went deep. They started hanging out more and more. They started actually supporting and caring for one another the way families would care and support one another. Which I'll just tell you, um, this is our primary mode for doing care in the gathering family. Like when when people have needs in the gathering family, this is why we want everybody in the neighborhood gathering. Because you're not just waiting on me or Pastor Greg to to meet that need. Man, we love you. We want to do this. but, But man, there's a lot of people. So the more we can be in relationship together, the more we can take care of each other. Amen? So they look after, they support each other. They truly become the tribe within the bigger tribe of the church. We had one group one time, they bought a car for a woman in their group who needed a car. Half y'all are like, sign me up now. Where do I do this thing? Uh, here's one of my favorite. Our, our good friends, Dan and Cindy, up right here. There's two of our neighborhood gathering leaders. They hosted an outdoor wedding. I mean, it was beautiful. They hosted an outdoor wedding at their home for Justin and Selena Sukup, who And notice, they're all sitting together. They don't just go to church together. They've been in neighborhood gathering together. Their relationships have gone deep. They're like family. I mean, they, so they hosted, I mean, first off, their home should be on, like, better homes and gardens. Wow. I'm only 41, but I just felt like I was 55 when I just said better homes and gardens. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> their house is beautiful. And, but they hosted this. I mean, it takes, it takes effort and energy to pull off a wedding. But it was a group effort. My, my cousin Kevin, who, Kevin Eck, he barbecued the meal. The whole group helped set up and tear down. It was unbelievable. This wasn't just a church meeting for them, their family. And so they're doing life together in every way. We got story after story like that. We could tell lots of those, okay? But again, here's the real thing that keeps happening with neighborhood gathering for those who commit Man, they start becoming more and more like Jesus together, which means they start leaving more and more of their wild ways in the dust. They start learning how they get equipped to be disciple makers, people that can follow Jesus, and together they become a close family. I mean, the family of God in this wild world. So, Many of you have already been through Connect and you've been through Freedom Gatherings and you've already started to get in communication about neighborhood gatherings. You're about to get more communication about neighborhood gatherings. Um, Here is my encouragement to you. Commit to show up for neighborhood gathering. Resolve. Make a decision today that you're going to stick with. Pastor Greg says it this way all the time. I love this. When you make a commitment, it's not, it's not you decide now, and then when the thing actually happens, you have to re-decide all over again. You make the decision now, and when things try to interfere with that decision later, you don't have to decide all over again. You already decided here. So you stick with the decision you made. That's commitment, and it's a dying art in this world today. 
man, let's commit together. One thing I'm really excited about, um, we're also launching in the midst of this. It's going to be like a neighborhood gathering. Uh, we're launching a young adults kind of neighborhood gathering in the midst of this. Um, we're still working on details and all that kind of stuff, but we think we're going to call it 1829 for 18 to 29-year-olds. Our good friend Ashley Lakey and Jordan and his wife Sam Weaver, they're going to lead this thing. Come on, there's man, we got young people all over the place that um, I don't know if they know how to be the church or if they even know where the church is or et cetera. Man, we, got, we, we want young adults to know how to be the church. Amen? So, man, we're, we're making an effort on that, all right? But let's commit together. Let's make those things a priority. You need relationships, strong relationships with other people who are growing in Jesus, and they need that with you. I'm going to invite my good friend Laura to make her way out here and play some keys for us. Um, Pastor Greg and I and the rest of the staff, we've actually been talking about this a lot lately. So check this out. Um, As a church family, we have weathered the last year really well. And I'm bragging on you guys, okay? As a church family, by the grace of God, we have weathered this last year really well. We have come out on the other side, and again, it's not that we're all on the other side. I mean, there's just still more stuff and more stuff. Um, but man, by the grace of God, we've been able to be really healthy through all of this. Through all of the, the bitterness and division and all the things that happened with COVID, through all the unknowns, the shutdown through the divisiveness that just continues. Man, by the grace of God, we have continued to come out of this thing very healthy. Now, um, there are some who used to call the gathering home and they are not with us anymore. Okay, I want you to hear me. We pray God's blessings on them. We want the best for them. And we're gonna continue to make it easy for people to come home should they decide to do that. Amen? Well, listen, sadly, um, there, are, there are lots of churches um, that have not thrived over the last year. There are a lot of churches that have really started to hurt over the last year. I mean, everything from I mean, people just scattering to the core of their church disappearing or becoming very infrequent as far as, it, as, far as showing up, to giving disappearing and on and on. Okay, listen, um, I just want to tell you, though, you want to know what the number one reason is that we've remained so healthy over the last year? Okay, we're convinced it's this. We're convinced it's the strong relationships that we've built together as a church in our freedom gatherings and neighborhood gatherings. We're convinced it's the fact that so many of you actually became family because you listen to me when family is it's one thing just to be family it's another thing to be family that's centered around jesus and when family gets centered around jesus no matter what comes at them it's really hard to break up a family like that family that centers themselves around jesus they stick together so many of you, so many of you, and have just demonstrated a commitment to your church family over the last year, and we've been healthy together. 
as a church. This is why I would want you to know, listen, if you're thinking about calling this place home or if you're wondering about this, and I know we haven't been able to have our neighbor gatherings the way we wanted to over the last year, but, but you need to hear me. Um, we are not just a church that has small groups. We are a church made up of small groups on purpose because we need each other. You can't Lone Ranger this thing. You need to be in growing relationships with others who are growing with Jesus and they need to be in a relationship with you as you keep growing in Jesus too. Now, are we perfect at relationships here at the gathering? Uh, if you're new and you stick around long enough, you're going to find out well, we got some issues too. Like we're still working on this thing, right? In fact, listen, if we're all not careful, we can all end up being that weird cousin that we all try to avoid at the big family gathering. You know what I'm saying? Actually, this is probably the best way I've ever heard it. I heard a pastor say it this way one time. He said, if you ever do find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll be the one to mess it up. So good. But um, can I just be real with you all? Jesus never said that being the church would be easy. Jesus never said you wouldn't get your feelings hurt at church. He never said it wouldn't be easy. But he did say, and he made it clear it would be fulfilling. That it'd be the most rewarding thing you could ever do in life. In fact, he made it clear it's the whole point of life. And so I think isn't that the reality with all things that are truly fulfilling in life? The things that are the most rewarding and the things that are truly fulfilling in life, they're not the easiest things, right? Those things are usually the things that require effort and commitment over the long haul. Yeah, but they end up rewarding and they end up fulfilling. And so if I can be transparent with you, um, I wish I could tell you all that church planting has been easy. But that would not be true. It has been hard. But it's been the most fulfilling and most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. I'm having the time of my life. I wouldn't trade this for anything. I love that we get to do this together. Okay, but just like you in your life, you've had hard days. Um, Rachel and I have had hard days in the midst of this. Okay, but there have been times where it has hurt. And there have been times where I know I have hurt others. I really am sorry. But I want you to hear this. The thing that has caused us to thrive through it all, it's been the relationships we've had with so many of you who have only continued to love and support 
times you've prayed for us, for the times you've checked in on us, for the times you've texted encouraging words to us, sometimes not even knowing just how crucial and perfect the timing was. That you were used by God in that moment. It's been the way many of you have just remained committed to the family, even when you've disagreed or not understood everything that's happening. It's been the way we've been able to rely on you because you've just demonstrated such a commitment to what God is doing. And we knew, man, we're, we're in this thing together. It's been the way for, for some of you that you've even allowed me to confess sin and ask for forgiveness. And you haven't bailed on me in those times. But you've helped me find more freedom too. So listen, I know firsthand I cannot make it on my own. I need the church. I need what Jesus is doing in your life. I need what he wants to do in your life to pour into mine as well. And I know that you need the same thing from all of us. So it takes a commitment. It takes a commitment to begin to truly receive those things and for all of us to truly begin to thrive together in what Jesus has for us. I mean, just think about it. If there's no commitment, if we can't rely on each other, on the day you need encouragement and nobody's there for you, are you going to thrive? Or is there a chance you're going to crash and burn? It takes a commitment where we resolve together, where we make a decision today. Man, I'm going to be the church. My commitment to be the church isn't just a commitment just to attend. It's a commitment to show up and grow. And it's a commitment to open up my life to allow God to use me to care for others as well. Telling you as you start to do that, not only will you have the time of your life, but you will find yourself surrounded and supported by a family within the family as well that has your back too. I'm gonna say something really strong. Uh, true Lone Rangers are foolish. People in the church that think man, I don't need relationships with the church. I can just have my relationships out here. But, and I'll, I'll keep these relationships out here, but I'll just, I'll just attend here. I love you. It's foolish. You're going to crash and burn. Jesus knows you need the church. Watch this. Matthew 24, one more time. Matthew 24, verse 13. Jesus says, but the one who stands firm to the end 
will be saved. Okay, it's getting wild, family. But who's the one he's talking about right here? Who's the one? Think about this. If he's talking to his disciples here, and he is, then that means he's talking to the church. And so here's what he's saying. Think about this. He's saying that his church, the one is his church, you and me, the church that stands firm together to the end will be saved. It's the church that's going to thrive in the wild. You and I, though, listen, you and I cannot stand on our own. But together, we can stand firm. And not only will we survive, but we will thrive in this wild world in Jesus. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray together.